Turn to Philippians chapter 1. Flip, not Philippines chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, okay? And a special thanks to people who came up here and worked hard to, uh, I mean, there's so much was done this week, the, the chairs were all spot clean, so uh, if it's dirty when you're gone, you're the culprit. Uh, the carpets were clean, uh, the janitor's closet, you can actually walk in without things jumping out at you. Uh, the, uh, the restrooms were cleaned top to bottom. Even the walls were washed, everything cleaned in there. Uh, the windows were, uh, were cleaned. Uh, uh, generations of spiders uh, up in the top ledges were, were evacuated, taken out. Uh, and uh, even the fans were dusted. Uh, and everything just, I tell you, over two dozen light bulbs went in this room right here. That was that many that were burned out. Uh, and so uh, it is just a, a good place and, and a bright place. And because of the people who came out and helped, it's a better place even than it was a week ago. So thank you all for working so hard. Uh, and next week, not only do we have a town hall meeting, but prior to that, we have communion service. So again, take seriously the admonition to examine yourselves, make sure your hearts are right, your hands are clean in the sight of God as we go together uh, to the Lord's table and commemorate the, uh, the death of our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And then also uh, next week, we're going to be recognizing any uh, high school or college graduates this year. So high school or college graduates, it would be helpful if you could let Ariel know you're going to be here so we can be ready ahead of time. Uh, but we'll have a little gift for you, a token of our appreciation for you and for who you are and for what you do. Uh, and uh, so please uh, let us know about that. Actually, that's on the 14th. My mistake. That's on the 14th. Um, and we have a family here, Ashley and Aaron Gonzalez and their three children. And this is, unfortunately, their last service here for a while. Where are they seated? Where are they? Right over here. Would you do us a favor? I don't want to embarrass you too bad, but would you come down here just for a moment? And uh, if that embarrasses you too bad, you're not going to be here next week anyhow. <laughs> so... But here's what I'd like for us to do. I, I don't know them personally. I, I've had opportunity to meet them, but um, I don't know them. Some of you know them really well. They're going to be transferring to Maryland, and uh, military is moving them there. And I thought it would be really good for those of you that would like to, to come up, and, and let's pray for them because this is a, a vulnerable time for, for people. Understand that when you get there, you need to find a, a, a good church, a good family of God, and get involved. So anybody would like to, come on up, and, and let's stand around them. And uh, let's uh, pray for them that God would go with them, God would guide them and direct them, and that they get into a great fellowship as soon as they get, uh, get settled there in Maryland. You know, the, uh, the Navy giveth and the Navy taketh away, right? Amen. Blessed be the name of the Navy. <laughs> Our Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence together, Lord, I know every one of these people who've come up here to lay hands on this family would be able to share how meaningful they are to them and how important they are and how important they've been to this church for four years. And God, we're going to miss them, and we are so thankful that wherever we go, you are there. And so, Father, in this transfer, in this moving, we know that because you're a sovereign God, you have a plan for them there in Maryland. And, Lord, I pray that you would lead them to the body of Christ, that you would have them be part of, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, lead them and guide them and help them in a time of, that's naturally vulnerable to, uh, to really be solid and to have their feet on a firm foundation of Jesus Christ and his word. 
And so, Lord, I pray that uh, you would bless them. Lord, I pray you'd bring new families here and maybe even some that are here today that you're going to touch their hearts and they'll want to be part of this body. And for those, we'll thank you. Father, we ask you now to forgive us of our sins and bless us. Go with us into this service. May we glorify you. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Gonzalez family, may, may the Lord bless you, keep you. All right. Philippians chapter 1. <clears throat> the city of Philippi. Anybody know where the city of Philippi was? All right. Uh, if you look at the Mediterranean Sea, the Aegean Sea is like a little bump on top of that. And if you go up to the top of the bump, and here's Greece right here. Well, it's the other way around. Here's Greece right here. And, and over here is Asia Minor. It's right at the top of that little bump. That's the city of Philippi. It was governed by Roman laws because the Roman Empire had spread there, subject to Roman rule. Uh, it was kind of a little Rome, really, in the midst of Greek culture, just as, listen to this, just as the church is a colony of heaven here on earth. This earth is not heaven. Uh, this earth is not our home. We're just a passing through, like, uh, like the song says, right? So, uh, so the church is to be a little bit of heaven on earth, uh, but it's, it's, uh, and that's the way that Philippi was, uh, the, Roman, the Roman Empire. Now, the church at Philippi was the first church founded in Europe, according to Acts chapter 16. So, uh, naturally, using good exegesis, it was the first Baptist church. <laughs> Amen? That's a little weak there. Uh, First Baptist Church of Philippi, and uh, it was established on Paul's second missionary journey. He enjoyed fellowshipping with them. They were known for being very generous in their giving and their caring and their loving of people. In fact, uh, um, uh, we'll we'll learn more about that in a minute. The letter, uh, this is a letter that Paul wrote. You know it didn't have chapter and verse divisions. You know it was written as one letter to the church there at Philippi, to the Christians there in Philippi. And um, the church had heard that Paul was arrested. He was under house arrest in Rome and and wanted to send him aid. And so they sent one of their men named Epaphroditus. Uh, There are 104 verses to the entire uh, letter. And the emphasis uh, is joy. One of the key things about the book of Philippians is joy. And we live in a, in a pretty messed up world. You may have noticed that. And in the midst of a, a really messed up world, we can still have joy. In the midst of personal crises, we can still have joy. In the midst of physical difficulties, we can still have joy. We have, Pat and I have a really good friend who's right now in intensive care uh, at uh, Scripps Green Hospital. Went to see him yesterday. He may not make it. His wife is in Europe. She had to go back because her brother passed away. Now her husband may be in the process of passing away. And you know what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. And if it were not for the joy of the Lord, I don't know how he'd face life. Uh, but, but he offers us joy, even in the midst of real trials and real difficult times. <clears throat> joy is mentioned in one way or another 19 times in four brief chapters in the book of Philippians. And, and the emph- another emphasis is the mind, that of the mind. And we'll learn in a couple of weeks about what is commonly referred to as God's psychiatry. As we read Philippians, we note uh, many, many times that Paul talks about remembering and thinking, remembering and thinking. And we can summarize the theme of the book as, as the, the Christ-like mind that brings Christian joy. Having a Christ-like mind that brings Christian joy. 
Our thoughts have a tremendous influence. And I'm not one of the uh, positive thinker type gospel preachers. You know, if you think, you know, positive thoughts, everything's going to go great. But I'll tell you what, what we think about, what we meditate on is certainly good. And, and our thoughts have a great influence on our life. And wrong thinking leads to wrong living. There are four different minds described here uh, in this book. The single mind, the submissive mind, the spiritual mind, and the secure mind. Midst joy in the midst of whatever you're going through. Some of you may be going through some stuff right now. Can you actually have joy in the midst of that? And I propose to you, upon the authority of the Word of God, that you can. We've got two puppies. One of them is perfect. That's mine. And the other is demon-possessed. That's my wife's. But that demon-possessed dog is incredibly happy. She is so happy. When I let her out, and I tell her she can cross the street. She runs and jumps about. She's only about this tall and about that long. And she will jump about halfway across the street and, and uh, to the curb on the other side. She is always playing, always having a good time, always joyful. And if we go on a walk, she, she thinks she's a sled dog. She's like the size of a, a good, you know, big rat. But she thinks she's a sled dog, and she pulls like crazy. And, and, and even if she were in jail, she would have joy. You know what? Paul was in jail when he wrote this, and he talks about joy so much of the time. So do you have joy? You know, you can tell when you, when you look around at faces uh, in the church and, and see if people have joy, if they express joy, or if they do not. This is not the only lesson from this wonderful letter. Paul uh, talks about Christ in this epistle, of course. Christ is our life, chapter 1. We're going to talk about that. He is our example in chapter 2. He's our goal in chapter 3, and he's our strength in chapter 4. Paul's circumstances were not the best because he was in he he was under arrest um, and and wasn't being treated exactly right. But he had singleness of mind and his mind was all about serving Christ. Five times in this chapter, chapter one, he mentions the gospel. Verses five, seven, twelve, seventeen, and twenty-seven. And Christ is mentioned seventeen times. So he wants us to have a singleness of mind, a focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, and, and reading through verse 11. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. There's the word remembrance. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. There's joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident or convinced of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long after you in all the tender mercies of Jesus Christ, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in judgment, that you may approve or test things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. So he starts out in chapter 1, addressing the fellowship of the gospel to be in Christ. There's a theological term called the reciprocal indwelling. What is that? That's when we are in Christ and Christ is in us. 
When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Christ is in you. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And, and so Christ is in you, but guess what? You are in Christ. So there's that reciprocal indwelling. We dwell in him. He dwells in us. And so we are in Christ. To be in Christ is to be part and a part of a Christian fellowship is a great source of joy when things become difficult. I can't tell you the number of times when we've gone through difficulties in our life that the church uh, has been there for us and been such an incredible encouragement. And here, Paul, a prisoner in Rome, was rejoicing because of the fellowship of the gospel. There are three phrases that summarize his joyful attitude. He said, first of all, I have you in my mind. I think about you. My remembrance thinks about you. Paul was not thinking about himself. You know why we get feeling sorry for ourselves? Because we think about ourselves. We think about our problems. I, I read something on Facebook this week, said something about um, first, world, first world problems are not really problems. The kind of things that we worry about. You know, my car didn't start this week. Oh, God, what's, going, what's with that? I got a new battery last week and it didn't start this week. You know what? People in, uh, in China out in the villages aren't worrying about their car not starting. They don't have one. Uh, well, I, I got to go to have a hearing test this week. So, you know, because I, you know what? Some people don't have doctors to go see. So first world problems are not real problems to third world people. Uh, and if we quit focusing on our problems and how difficult and how bad we have and start thinking about other people, that's going to help our joy level right away. He, right away. He says, I have you in my mind. He was thinking about these saints. Did you know that anyone who is born again is a saint? You don't have to wait to be canonized. You don't have to wait for the First Baptist Church to say, you are Saint Nathan. We make you a saint. No, he is a saint because of his relationship with Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. There was a point in time when Nathan asked the Lord to be his Savior, forgive him his sins, be his Lord and Master. And at that point, he, was a, he became a saint, which means a sanctified one, a set-apart one. So here, Paul's saying, I, I, I think about you, you set apart ones in, in far off Philippi. Every mem- memory was a blessing to him, including even the suffering. You remember one of the great stories in, in Acts chapter 16 about Philippi was, was when he was in prison. Uh, Paul and Silas were in prison, and, the, and they, were, they had been beaten for the gospel. They were now in prison. God sent an earthquake, opened up all the doors. The prisoners were free to go, but they didn't run away. The Philippian jailer came in, assumed that they'd escaped. And the Roman law, if he lost one of the prisoners, he had to take that prisoner's punishment and, and that prisoner's place. So if there was a capital offender there that had escaped, then he would be put to death. That's the, Rome, that's the way the Roman law worked. And so he took his own sword out to, to kill himself. And Paul said, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. And, there were, and so he came and ministered then to Paul's wounds from the beating that he received. He, the, he, suffered, he had suffering there, but he remembered that. And even that was a, a joyful thing because he did it for the Lord. He rejoiced over their salvation and their growth. He knew that Christ had begun a work in their life and that that work was going to be finished and going to be completed. He knew that Christ was not only the alpha, he is the omega. He's not only the beginning, he is the end. And guess what? We're not there yet. Do you remember those buttons that used to, people used to wear? Uh, be patient, God is not finished with me yet. It had the, the letters, just, just the letters, and, and it looked like alphabet soup, but it stood for be patient with me, God is not finished yet. And, and that's exactly right. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's still working on each one of us. And he will take us across the finish line. So 
So one thing is here, he, I have you in my mind, he said. How many of you have thought about other people in this fellowship this week? How many of you, you, you you've, they, they've come to your mind. I'm, I'm talking about Danny and, and Norma because they're, they're at the forefront of my mind. I'm talking about Dottie Sandoval because she's at the forefront of my mind. I know they're going through crises. And, and you know what? When I think about them, I don't have time to think about whatever little problems I have. So we need to think about each other. You need to be praying for the Gonzalez family. You need to be praying for anybody here in the body that's going through a difficult time. Think about what the church has meant to you in your times of, of need. Secondly, he says, I have you in my heart. Not only do I have you in my mind, thinking about you, remembering you, I have you in my heart. And this Philippian church was composed of a, a mixed group of people, but they were bound together by the original spiritual superglue, which is love. Love is the thing, the agape love. Uh, among them were the wealthy Lydia, who was a dealer in, 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 in fine uh, fabrics, and then the jailer, who, who uh, ministered to Paul, and the slave girl, uh, all found in Acts chapter 16, and other believers, most of whom were Gentiles, and, and they were different. They were different as night and day. They were different. We, we all come from different places. People often ask me, you know, what, what is your hair? What, what, what nationality I'm, I'm hillbilly. <laughs> My parents were from Kentucky, both of them. So I, you know, Horse Branch and Horse Cave. I mean, that's the towns they came from. Think about that when you go get your marriage license. Where are you from, Horse Branch? Where are you from, Horse Cave? Yeah, they had a lot of fun with that. So, so you know, I, I, but, but I, you know, every national. You know what? Our churches ought to look like the communities where we serve. They ought to look like. It ought to be. Everybody ought to be welcome. And you ought to make people feel welcome. Why do we have these name tags? Well, I know who I am. Why do I have to have a name tag? Not everybody knows who you are. And it helps us to be able to connect with people and to care. So I have you in my mind. I have you in my heart, Paul said. Do you have each other in your heart? Do you really care about each other? Are you really? You know what? I, I read you probably heard that Joe Biden's son passed away, 46 years old. I can't imagine losing a, a, a son. I can't imagine losing my child. can't imagine that. You know what? In times like that, we're neither red nor blue nor anything else. We, we are simply people who ought to pray for each other and ought to be concerned about the, the trials that each other are, are going through. And so our, he ought to be in our hearts today as we pray for that family. I have you in my mind, Paul said. I have you in my heart, Paul said. And thirdly, I have you in my prayers. Because if, in fact, someone's in your mind and if, in fact, someone's in your heart, then you're going to be taking them to God. You're going to be imploring the Lord to work in their lives. Paul always took time to pray for people that they might have full lives. An empty Christian is a tragedy. Let's fill up with people that we're concerned about and people that we genuinely love. So there's the fellowship of the gospel. I, I was listening this morning to a radio program, and someone called in and said, you know, I haven't been to church in, since 1970. He said, 45 years. And I thought to myself, you know what? You can be a Christian and not go to church, but I'm going to tell you something. One of the purposes for the church of Jesus Christ is fellowship. And if you, don't, if you cut yourself off from other Christians for 45 years, you are going to be stunted. You're not going to grow the way God intended. And you're not going to have the support group that you otherwise could have. And so the fellowship of the gospel is important. Secondly, there's the furtherance of the gospel. Look at verse 12. I would that you understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. What? If, I don't know about you. If I were in jail today, I would be moaning and groaning and crying. 
I tried to serve God all these years, and now I'm in jail. What's the he says, you know what? Guess, guess what? This arrest thing, that's happened for the glory of God. Guess what? When I was beaten, that was for the glory of God. Guess what? When I was shipwrecked, that's for the glory of God. Guess what? When they stoned me outside of Lystra, left me for dead. That was for the glory of God, the suffering. I get to suffer with Jesus. When do we jump up and down and clap our hands? When we have to suffer. And yet that's pretty much what Paul's doing right here. This fell out to the furtherance of the gospel and so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and, and in all other places. And many of the brothers in the Lord uh, becoming confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife and some of, uh, also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing that affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is priest. And in that I do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my uh, salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of, of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation, my hope, that is, that, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by my death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The furtherance of the gospel, he put Christ first. That was the most important thing. It wasn't, wasn't important whatever inconveniences he was suffering. wasn't important whatever persecution he endured. wasn't important what people said about him. wasn't important uh, what people thought about him. Uh, he put Christ ahead of every single person, uh, and, and that, that Christ would be magnified whether I live or whether I die. And I shared with you, I think a couple of weeks ago, a verse that means a whole lot to me And I share it with you again because when Job lost everything, he said, Lord, even if you kill me, I'm going to trust you. Even if you kill me. You know what? God gave us life. If he wants to take it, it's up to him. If we can glorify him by living, then so be it. If we can glorify him by dying, Paul said, then so be it. He put Christ first. He said, I'm not really a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Rome of Jesus Christ. I am his completely. And by the way, those soldiers, how'd you like to been one of those Roman soldiers? Had to watch him all the time. I, I'm sure they got, I'm sure they just had nonstop preaching. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, who was the real captive there? You know, they couldn't go away. They probably were going, I mean, he had a built-in audience. They couldn't go anywhere. They had to listen to him. And he, and he gave them the message. He felt called of God to go to Rome, to preach the gospel. And, and if this is as close as he was going to get, Roman soldiers on either side, then so be it. If that brings glory to God, then I'm going to do it for his honor and for his glory. He put Christ ahead of everyone else. He put others second. Other people were more important than himself. Selfishness always breeds unhappiness. If you find a really unhappy person, chances are they're very self-centered. Paul had joy because he loved others. He prayed for others. He encouraged others. He brought joy to others. Uh, Paul talked about a little heaven on earth. And, and for him, heaven on earth was helping others. And while he longed to be with Christ, he eagerly yearned to remain and help those believers grow in their knowledge of Jesus Christ. But he not only put Jesus first and others second, he put himself last. So the acrostic is J-O-Y, Jesus, others, yourself. You want joy, put Jesus first before everybody else. 
put others next, in honor preferring one another, put yourself last of all. His body was not his own, his future was not his own, his reputation was not his own. In contrast, when we put ourselves first, it brings misery, but when we do it this way, we have joy. The third thing here is the faith of the gospel. The faith of the gospel, verse 27 Only let your conduct be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. What kind of message is that? Can you imagine going around telling people, hey, would you like to be a Christian? Because if, you if, you, if you're a Christian, you, you're not only going to, uh, uh, to be able to believe in him, but you're going to be able to suffer for him too. doesn't sound real encouraging, but it's the reality. Is it any wonder to you that Christians more and more are on the defense in the United States of America? Is it any wonder to you that, uh, that persecution has, in a sense, already begun for Christians in America? And the further we move from the Judeo-Christian concepts that founded this country and that our believers believed in, with all the, I'm, I'm talking about the greatest majority of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, members of and faithful attenders of church. Don't believe this. They were all deists and they didn't really believe they, and they were atheists. And they, you know, no, no, they they believed in a God in heaven. They believed in uh, in in the the special providence of God in leading people to these shores and to establish a nation founded upon on freedom and principles that are part of the Word of God and part of the teaching of the Word of God. And on our, on our Liberty Bell, it talks about liberty. It, it has a quote from the book of Leviticus, as you well know. So the further we get away from these moorings, the more Christians are going to be persecuted, the more difficulty we're going to have. So he says here, you, you not only get to believe in it, but you also get to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now... Uh, and now uh, here to be in me. So he talks about the, the faith of the gospel. There are battles to fight in the Christian life. Paul here warns us that there are going to be enemies that are going to attack. Christians go through three stages, I believe. They, first of all, become sons or daughters. They, first of all, are born into the family of God. The way you get born into the family of God is not by joining the church. It's not by getting baptized. The way you get into the family of God is by faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. His death, burial, resurrection, and coming again. That is the gospel in a nutshell right there. And the way you get born into the family of God is by putting your faith and trust in that, in what Jesus did for us. So you become sons or daughters in the family and the fellowship of the gospel. And then secondly, you become servants to the furtherance of the gospel. And then you become soldiers, and that's the faith of the gospel. And as good soldiers, we're to fight the fight. Onward, Christian soldiers. That's, that's the battle cry for us. Satan is out to defeat the church. Satan is out to defeat First Baptist Church. Satan will do everything he can to destroy and to divide and, and, and to, to scatter. That's what the devil does. He doesn't bring people together except to be under the banner one day of the Antichrist. He, he is out to destroy you. He's out to destroy these precious kids that were standing up here. He'll destroy this country if he can. He's out to defeat the church, and Christians need to have the singleness of mind to face him and fight the good fight 
of the faith. And so Paul gives some, some encouragement. Verse 27, he says, you're not standing alone. We don't stand alone. My, my son-in-law is a pastor in Escondido, and they have this uh, no man stands alone. Uh, I, can't, I don't know exactly the details of it, but when there's uh, some, one of their members going through problems, then they all pitch in together and help out. No one stands alone. How wonderful it is to know that others are standing on your right and on your left. They're standing in front and behind. The unity and the harmony of the Christian church is something that Satan cannot defeat. But when we are divided and when we are scattered, he gets us one-on-one, and we are no match for the devil. You're not standing alone. Secondly, guess what? We are on the winning side. Yeah, you know, you've read the back of the book, right? We are on the winning side. We are going to win one of these days. Don't let the enemies frighten you, Paul counsels. He knows he's losing, and he knows you're winning, and and the unity and the faith of the believer is an evident token, is what that means, a clear omen or sign that the enemy, to the enemy, that he is going to lose. And then the third thing is you have the privilege of suffering for Christ, the gift of suffering for Jesus' sake. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 will tell us that our suffering is in fellowship with him. What a privilege to follow in his footsteps. So let our behavior be such that it can be identified with the gospel. Someone once asked, how's your walk with Christ? Someone once asked Gandhi, what is the greatest hindrance to Christian missions in India? And sadly, Gandhi said, Christians. Because not all of them live for Christ. Not, Not all of them really take a stand for what's right. So let us be sons and daughters of God. Let us be servants of God. Let us be soldiers of God. In the midst of the trouble, let's have the calm confidence that the Apostle Paul had. Even through trials, that he would be restored to his friends again, verse 25, and the blessing of the singleness of mind and the joyful confidence in God, knowing that God is in control of all of our circumstances. So my question to you this morning is, do you dwell in Christ? Is Christ dwelling in you? Do you have as evidence for that the joy of the Lord? Someone wrote these words. I was regretting the past and fearing the future. Suddenly my Lord was speaking. My name is I am. He paused. I waited. He continued. When you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets, it is hard. I am not there. My name is not I was. When you live in the future with all of its problems and fears, it's hard. I am not there. My name is not I will be. When you live in the moment, it isn't hard. I am here. My name is I am. God always is. Cancer? God is. Family problems? God is. Need employment? God is. Going through emotional, mental problems, God is. And we are here, each for the other. And let us put Jesus first, each other second, and ourselves last. And joy is the byproduct of living in Christ. You're not alone. You're on the winning team. And, yeah, you get to suffer for him, but you will be blessed for all of eternity for doing so. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the book of Philippians. We thank you, Lord, for 
the incredible joy that Paul talks about even in the midst of all kinds of circumstances that would make most of us question and wonder and worry. Lord, I pray for someone or maybe several someones here this morning wrestling with a decision, wrestling with some circumstance that seems out of control in their life, worried, angry, upset, unhappy. God, I pray that you would remove all that and give them confidence and joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for those who may be here this morning who don't know for sure if they died, they'd go to heaven, that today would be the day they become your son or your daughter by grace through faith. I pray for those who perhaps you're calling to stand alongside of this local body of Christ, to take the place of the Gonzalez family and others who, as they move on, Father, you bring in more. I pray that if you're talking to someone about that, that they would be willing to be part of this. I pray for those who need to follow you in believer's baptism. I pray for you, those who need to come and just pray at this altar and just turn their life over to you and say, Lord, even if you kill me, I'm going to trust you. Whatever circumstance comes, I, I'm here. I'm yours. Make me your servant. Make me your soldier, I pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? A couple of things we want to do. Now, first of all, if you need to receive Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to come down here and, uh, and we'll have someone talk to you about how to do that. That would be the most important decision you can make right, right now.